the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Jesus and the apostles did not allegorize Genesis. They took Genesis to be straightforward history describing events that actually happened with people who were historical, real people that actually existed. So if if you don't believe Genesis is historical or literal or true, What you believe about the Bible is different from what Jesus believed about the Bible. Did God actually create the world in just a few days? Were Adam and Eve real people? What about Noah and the flood? Did that really happen? Many people have doubts about the book of Genesis. But if Genesis isn't literal, how will that impact what we believe about Jesus? Today, Pastor Dan answers these questions by looking at what Jesus and the Apostles said about the events of the first book of the Bible. You'll find that throwing out Genesis will leave your faith and doctrine on shaky ground. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Luke chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. going to do a verse-by-verse study through the entire book of Genesis, but what I want to do today as an introduction to the book of Genesis is I want to look at how Jesus and the apostles viewed the book of Genesis. How Jesus and the apostles viewed the book of Genesis. What What did they think about Genesis? How did Jesus and the apostles interpret The Genesis account, the Genesis record. And the reason why I think this is a good place for us to start or a place to kind of launch into the study of Genesis is because there are many, many theologians, many pastors, many Bible teachers who do not believe Genesis, who do not believe that Genesis is historical or that it's factual especially the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Uh, there are many who say that it's allegory and that it's, it's mythology or it's metaphorical. And they say it's not historical. It should not be interpreted as a historical record or taken literally. They say God did not create the heavens and the earth in six literal days as it says in Genesis 1, or that the first two people were Adam and and Eve in a garden. The critics say there was no one named Noah. There was not a global flood or an ark. There was not a Sodom and Gomorrah. There was not a Tower of Babel. 
That all, all these stories that we have in the book of Genesis, that they're all folklore, they're allegory, they're metaphorical, they're, they're, they're not true, they're not real, they're not to be taken as factual, they're not to be believed as factual. And maybe that describes you. Maybe you're a Christian, but you, you don't really believe the Genesis record as historical, or that it should be taken literally. Maybe you believe it's, it's, it's all allegory, it's all poetic. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here for this study. And we're going to dig into the text together in the coming weeks and just see what the text says. What does the Word of God say? And let, let the Word of God speak for itself. And again, today what I want to do is just, just look at how Jesus interpreted the book of Genesis and how the apostles interpreted the book of Genesis. I, I would say as Christians... We want what we believe about the book of Genesis to agree with what Jesus thought about Genesis, right? I mean, as followers of Jesus, we want to be on the same page as him. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine uh, having the mind of, well, that's what Jesus believed. <laughs> but I, but I, I don't believe that. And I'll tell you right up front, uh, just so you know, there's no surprises here. Jesus and the apostles did not allegorized Genesis. They took Genesis to be straightforward history describing events that actually happened with people who were historical, real people that actually existed. So if, if, you, if you don't believe Genesis is historical or literal or true, what you believe about the Bible is different from what Jesus believed about the Bible. Okay, It's different from what the apostles believed about the Bible. And it's different from what everyone in the Bible believed about Genesis. So before we dig in, I want to give you just some statistical information about Genesis in in the New Testament and how it's used in the New Testament. The book of Genesis is quoted or referenced in the New Testament 200 times. We've got a lot of verses to cover, right? (laughs) We're not going to look at all 200, don't worry. More than half of the 200 references in the New Testament to Genesis are from the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Over 100 references in the New Testament are from the first 11 chapters. The first 11 chapters of Genesis are the ones that are disputed as as historical. Uh, 63 of the references in the New Testament are from the first three chapters of Genesis. Now, those are the ones that are really, really disputed. His first three chapters describe the creation of all things and the fall of man. But there's 63 references in the New Testament to the first three chapters of Genesis. Every book of the New Testament, except for Philemon, 2 John, and 3 John, contain references to Genesis. So every book but three. Of the 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, only seven are not quoted in the New Testament. Only seven. And why is that important? Because critics say, well, the first three chapters or the first 11 chapters of Genesis are not historical. They're allegory, they're metaphor. 
beginning in chapter 12, some critics say, beginning in chapter 12 to the end of Genesis, that's historical, that's reliable. But the whole book of Genesis is quoted in the New Testament. All but seven, seven chapters. And they're all treated as real history. Jesus referenced Genesis 25 times in the Gospels. Now, I I point out those statistics to say that there are many examples that we can look at in the New Testament to understand how Jesus viewed Genesis and how the apostles viewed Genesis. Uh, But we're only going to look at seven today. There's 200 we could look at, but we're just going to look at seven. The first one I want to look at with you is in Luke chapter 3, if you want to turn there for me. Luke chapter 3. This example just really shows us how not taking Genesis as historical and literal creates a lot of problems for us with the New Testament. So Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 23, we have the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you're thinking, oh great, a genealogy. Uh, But if you look at verse 23, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, because he's actually the son of God, the son of Heli, and then it starts to give you the names, the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of, his genealogy here. And now look down at verse 38 at the very end of the chapter. The genealogy of Jesus goes all the way back to Adam and then to God. Verse 38, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now, Jesus' genealogy is given here to us to demonstrate that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises God made to David and Abraham and Adam. And that's why these names are listed in this genealogy. That's why the genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. Because God made promises to David, to Abraham, and to Adam. Jesus is the seed of Eve who will crush the head of the serpent. Jesus is the seed of Abraham through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And he is the seed of David, whose kingdom God will establish forever. That's why Luke gives us his genealogy all the way back to Adam. Now, look at the genealogy again. If you look at verse 33, from verse 33 down to verse 38, those names are all from the book of Genesis. So if Genesis is allegorical and not historical, what do we do with the genealogy of Jesus? I mean, are we to say, well, part of this is historical and real, and these are real people, and and some of them are not. The genealogy must be historical, or else Jesus descended from a myth. So immediately, just in looking at the genealogy of Jesus, immediately we see that if we don't take Genesis as historical record, well, then it creates all kinds of problems for us in the New Testament. There's things that we just can't make sense of then, if it's myth. So now let's turn over to Mark, to the left, Mark chapter 10. 
Now here in Mark chapter 10, the Pharisees asked Jesus about divorce. And we're not going to talk about divorce. We're just going to look at Jesus' answer to their question. That's what we're interested in. Mark chapter 10, verse 2, the Pharisees came and they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And they were testing Jesus. They were trying to trap him in his words. And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? Now, stop right there. Jesus believed there was a real person named Moses who penned the law of God, including the book of Genesis. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Now I point that out because you may not know this. There are many theologians, professors in seminaries, and even pastors in pulpits today who do not believe Moses ever existed. That there was never a guy named Moses. Jesus believed there was a Moses, that he was a real person. Well, they said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Now watch what he says in verse 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus here in his answer, he referenced the opening chapters of Genesis. And he's talking here about Adam and Eve. In verse 7, he quotes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, when he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. That's in Genesis 2. That's talking about Adam and Eve. Notice what he says in verse 6. This is really important, verse 6. He says, But from the beginning of the creation... God made them male and female. Jesus believed in creation, just as it's recorded in Genesis chapter 1. He took Genesis chapter 1 to be, you know, a straightforward history of creation, not allegorical. He took it literally. He believed that God created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. God made them male and female. He's quoting right out of the Genesis account. Jesus believed that Adam and Eve were real people, that God created the first two humans, that they really existed, just as Genesis says. And notice also his wording here. Jesus said he made them 
male and female at the beginning of the creation. Again, this shows us that Jesus took Genesis chapter 1 literally. Genesis 1 says that man was created on the sixth day of creation. This also shows that Jesus took a day to be a day. A literal 24-hour day. Adam and Eve were created, he says, at the beginning of creation. They've existed from the beginning. Now, evolutionary theory says that God did not create the heavens and the earth. That the earth came into existence five billion years ago. And about 66 million years ago, man evolved and came into existence on the earth. Four billion years after the earth came into existence. That's not what Genesis and Jesus say. Genesis and Jesus both say that Adam and Eve were created by God essentially at the same time that God created everything else. That they were at the beginning of creation. Now this also refutes what's called the day-age theory that some Christians believe in. There is a theory that in the Genesis account the days of creation don't mean literal 24-hour days, that those days represent uh, millions or even billions of years. They represent ages, and we'll talk more about that in future weeks. But, but Jesus says here that Adam and Eve were at the beginning of creation. So he believed the creation account in Genesis 1. He interpreted it literally. He took the plain meaning of, of Genesis chapter 1. He didn't read anything into it. He didn't try to stretch it uh, into anything else. He, he just believed what it said. And he believed the first two human beings were Adam and Eve. And that they were created on the sixth day, just as it says in Genesis. This is what Jesus believed. Let's look at another example. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 17. Now here in Luke chapter 17, Jesus speaks about his second coming and his judgment of the earth. Now the Bible teaches that Jesus will one day return to the earth, literally, physically. It's described for us in several passages. Most vividly, it's described for us in Revelation, where he comes riding out of heaven on a white horse, robe dipped in blood. The armies of heaven are with him, and he comes back to the earth He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. The mountain's going to split in half. He's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. And then he's going to judge the nations of the earth. In fact, the Bible has more to say about his second coming than his first coming. Well, here in Luke chapter 17, I want you to see what he does here. Jesus compares the time of his second coming to the time of Noah. And the flood, which is described in Genesis chapters 6, 7, and 8. And then he compares his second coming and his judgment of the earth to the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, described in Genesis 19. Uh, again, there are many who, who would say Noah never existed. There was no global flood. There's no evidence of a global flood. I mean, there's, it's crazy to think a guy built an ark and 
saved his family and the animals. That's, that's, just, that's just fairy tale. I mean, that, that's great for the Sunday school classes, but that's not reality. That's not real history. And there are some that say Sodom and Gomorrah never existed. It's just folklore. Well, look at verse 26. Jesus says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man, or when the Son of Man comes, again is the idea. Now he describes the days of Noah. And where does he get his idea of what the days of Noah were like? Genesis chapter 7. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, it will also, as if it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Clearly, this passage shows that Jesus believed that there was a Noah. And that there was a global flood. That God judged the earth with a flood. That it was a historical event, a real event, and that Noah and his family survived by an ark. I mean, he mentions Noah by name, he mentions the flood, he mentions the ark, and what he says here. He took it as straightforward history, just as it's written, he takes it as straightforward, accurate, historical record. Jesus also believed that God judged the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by raining down fire and brimstone from heaven and destroying them, just as it says in Genesis 19. And the audience that he said this to also believed those stories as true and real historical events. More importantly, don't miss this, more importantly, and I want you to get this, Jesus tied his second coming to the account of Noah and the flood and to Sodom and Gomorrah. So if the accounts in Genesis are mythology and poetic and not to be taken literally, well, then the second coming of Jesus Christ and his judgment of the earth is mythology. It's not to be taken literally. It's just it's just poetic. In other words, our eschatology, what we believe about the return of Christ, it falls apart if Genesis is not historical. Because Jesus linked them. He tied them together. We can't say, well, I believe that Jesus is coming back and he's going to come back in power and great glory, riding on a horse out of heaven, robe dipped in blood. He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives. He's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. He's going to be king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to judge the earth. But I don't really believe the story of Noah. I mean, an ark, a flood... That's, that's just too much. There's no way that's true. Jesus tied them together. They stand or fall together. Now, in John chapter 3, this is just extra credit for you. Jesus tied his crucifixion to Moses in the wilderness, raising up the serpent on the pole. As the children of Israel going through the wilderness, found in Numbers. He said, 
Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan is continuing to teach through the book of Genesis, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again, or to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Otherwise, simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. This can be advantageous for those who are on the go much of the time. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life. So please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also really like to know how we can be praying for you. So when you call, don't be afraid to share your prayer requests with us. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll make sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Genesis. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.